0: What is up, team? Welcome back to the show. Today, Coach Andrea and I coming at you with another Q&A. Andrea, how has your week been so far?
1: It's been good. I've been back to working out, which feels really good. I feel extremely weak. (laughs) But other than that, it's been really nice to be like back into the usual routine. Uh, I had like zero appetite for a while, really like even into most of this week, and it's just kind of finally normalized like yesterday and today. So... Um, it's, it's nice to feel like my usual self again, I'm feeling like 90%. So, uh, we're almost there.
0: Damn, that took you down hard. Cause that's been no. like two and a half weeks now, right?
1: Uh, yeah, it's been, yeah. A couple weeks now.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, has nutrition basically been able to get back to normal over the last week?
1: Yeah. So I, I, had like three days where I really didn't eat much at all, but then I got back to hitting my macros. Um, but I was just eating three meals a day instead of spreading it out. Cause I just didn't want to eat more often. Um, okay. but other than that, like I just got right back to hitting my macros, which they were off day macros for that first week, um, after being sick, cause I didn't work out. So it's not a ton of food anyway. So, um, yeah, this, this week I'm back to like working out, eating my on my training day macros, and so that's been nice.
0: Okay. What are your off? How high are your calories on your off days?
1: Uh, I gosh, I, I think it's around 1350. If I remember right, I, I it's, um, 150 protein, 110 grams of carb and 41 fats.
0: Okay. So your off days are pretty low.
1: Pretty low. Yeah. I just have three off days per week and then it's quite a bit higher on training days. It's 190 or no, 210 grams of carb.
0: Okay. Okay. My rest days right now are 1750, I believe. And I'm like, just so hungry the entire day. That's where, um, and that's very much like the last couple of weeks, especially I've definitely started to feel the deficit a lot more aware. It's like, immediately on my rest days just immediately after eating i'm like just still hungry and like you still like have a sensation of hunger yeah it's honestly like i feel like the rest of this process so far has just felt pretty easy so it feels kind of good in a weird way for it to like feel a little bit more challenging and a little bit more grindy towards the end um because really i would say the last couple weeks are the first time i've really noticed very much hunger at all and so honestly it's been like you know, it's just like more rewarding. I feel like for it to feel a little bit harder, (laughs) if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, Like it's, I don't know. I feel like so far and part of it is again, we've just been super busy and I think that's been able to like keep me a lot more distracted, but I Mm -hmm. feel like it's like the first time I got this lean, it felt like it was like such a grind. It was just like such a journey, but I feel like there's like a lot of power to that. Right. From a personal development perspective, like, I feel like going through things like that is so helpful that now it's been like this time around, I feel like it's just been so much easier. And I don't, I don't, it's hard to kind of distinguish. It's just like a more experienced dieter, um, lifestyle is different mindsets in a better place, but as a whole is honestly, I've kind of enjoyed like the last couple of weeks, just like feeling like a little bit more of a grind finally, but Within I that, like I to mean, feel
1: some hunger before the next meal, but finishing the meal and being hungry still is the pits. I really don't like that.
0: <laughs> and that's also only like two days a week. I mean, cause I've trained five days a week. So on my, I, I mean, two days a week, it's pretty manageable. And on, on my training days, like I, I'll still have some hunger later in the evening. I could definitely eat more, but really as a whole, again, seeming very manageable. So we are what Tuesday um, so recording this on Thursday, Tuesday is the day of the shoot, which I'm stoked for. So really like today we're already experimenting with adding in more carbs intra workout. So I wasn't doing, I basically, I was just doing 20 grams of highly branched carbs from highly branched cyclic dextrin plus plus, uh, 50 grams of whey before my training. And then I was only doing EAAs intra workout. And now we added 60 grams of carbs from highly branched cyclic dextrin into workout so i mean already like we're adding food back in then tomorrow tomorrow i have a low day so tomorrow's a rest day i'm i know we're actually gonna start like feeding up carving up a bit more uh saturday sunday monday we have another low day to kind of dry out and then the shoot is on tuesday so i mean really we're like basically done just Yeah. Two more, two more low days. And I'm, I'm also very excited to just be eating more food, but as a whole, I think the process has gone super well and I'm really excited. I'm excited to like, just continue to learn also. I know, um, We have a bunch of, you had me grab like some diuretics and whatnot. So I'm really interested to definitely not something I'm like me saying that is not me recommending implementation of those by any means, but I'm really interested to see kind of like what the process looks like because I know it'll be different than anything I've done in the past, but are you ready to get into some questions?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay, cool. This might be another one that we have to break up into two parts, but we'll see how things play out here. All right. So first one, I'm going to kick over to you which is periods. What happens across the cycle and how does weight, gut, cortisol respond? Um, And she also said, sorry, Jeremiah, it is quite all right. Um, This is something I don't think a day goes by that I'm not talking to someone about their cycle. So it's quite all right. Um, Take it away. What do you have for us?
1: So even for me, this is still confusing to me. So I, this is something where, um, like I, I, have a pretty good idea, but I always like reference <laughs> like a chart of what your hormones do over the course of the month, whenever I'm talking about this, because it's just like so complex to me, um, that and birth control, like they're, they're just very, <laughs> uh, complex subjects for me for whatever reason. So, um, so you have the first two weeks of your cycle are the follicular phase. Um, then you have ovulation and the standard, like the, the day cycle that they go off of is 28 days. That's not always um, what everyone experiences. It can be a lar- much larger range than that. That's considered normal, but in a, in a 28 day cycle, day 14 ish is going to be ovulation. And then you have the follicular phase, or, sorry, the, the luteal phase as the last half of it. And then you have menses, which is usually like four to five days. Um, and that's the bleed. So with your, your hormones, you'll generally have like a, um, a drop in progesterone for the last half of the cycle in the luteal phase. And that's a lot of the reason that you see the, the symptoms that you get. So, um, that can cause like, like, a so the progesterone is a calming hormone. So whenever that drops, you have, um, things like insomnia and you have, um, slowed gut motility, um, and, uh, causing. And so <laughs> I, it does also spike back up, which causes some gut issues as well, um, right before your cycle. Um, and so you have, like I said, slow gut motility. So you have uh, constipation and then, um, poor sleep, because you don't have that calming hormone present. And then like a uh, low mood or like irritability or things like that. And then whenever you have that swing back in the other direction during menses, then you can get the opposite issue of like loose stools um, and things like that. Um, I know that she asked about gut. What was, what was the other symptoms that she asked about? How it affects?
0: She just asked how gut and cortisol respond.
1: So I don't believe there's really a cortisol connection with that. Um, other than, like I said, progesterone being a, qual- a calming hormone. So you have like that, the side effects from that, but I don't believe that's connected to cortisol to my knowledge. Do you know anything different there?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't directly tie it to cortisol, but as you said, like you will probably like if I'm cr- Typically what we'll see is right before ovulation, estrogen will spike, LH, FSH will spike a little bit. And then as estrogen starts to come back down, progesterone starts to spike. And then like the writing that down is where you start to get into like PMS symptoms, correct? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay. And that's like similar, very similar to what you said, like you'll often start to feel like as progesterone drops, again, progesterone is kind of like a calming hormone, kind of like a feel good hormone. So as that drops, you'll probably notice like similar, like I would say we would almost correlate it to what like similarly to how you feel if cortisol levels were elevated, you just won't feel as good, but I don't think it's quite as much a, like I'm in a fight or flight state and I can't speak to this as well because it's not something that I've experienced personally, but from what I've gathered, It's not quite as much like a fight or flight state as it is just like as a whole, I just like feel kind of crappy and kind of down. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that was a very good explanation. Then finally, what do you typically see as far as weight goes across the menstrual cycle?
1: So, um, usually either, so there's some people will experience a, um, weight spike pre, uh, menses and some people experience that like along with the menses phase, uh, so, everybody's a little bit different there, but generally you will see a weight spike, and that's just going to be from, um, like I said, progesterone um, can cause some constipation. And so, if you're constipated, you have more um, just stuff in your digestive tract that is sitting in your gut at any given time whenever you step on the scale. Um, then you also have a little bit of water weight that you're holding on to that you'll usually see flush out after, like, the second or third day of your cycle. Um, and so that's when things kind of go back to normal. And then usually, um, about a week after ovulation, um, or uh, like, like that week following ovulation. So in that seven day period is usually whenever you'll feel like you're leanest, um, because water weight is kind of like at its lowest. So if you're in a fat loss phase, And it's kind of like a slow and steady fat loss. It's not like a a more aggressive cut where you're seeing changes every single week. Usually in that third week of your cycle is when you'll hit a new low.
0: Yeah, absolutely. that's very similar to what we see. And on, on the flip side, I normally tell clients like, hey, right before you're starting your cycle, Or like the first couple of days of your cycle, like, don't be surprised if we see weight spike back up a bit or at very least, if we see like movement on the scale, stop. That's, um, again, I think it's pretty common knowledge, but it does still come up pretty frequently where it's like, it can be a stressful thing with like, Hey, suddenly the scale's going up, what's going on. And I think just understanding that for most women, that's a very normal thing is helpful. Yeah. Um, I
1: think if you're in a fat loss phase, like, you know, that that spike in weight, it has always been there, but in a fat loss phase, you're expecting to still see that go down. Cause it's like, okay. Yeah. I know that I have this weight gain each month, but now I'm dieting. So I shouldn't see it, but you still will see that. And I'll usually tell people like, Hey, if we see weight maintenance this week, that's a big win. Cause then, you know, in the next few days, if you stay consistent, you'll see that water weight flush out and you'll hit a new low after that. I will also add, it's really common to see some bloating and water weight with ovulation too. So some people get that and some people don't for whatever reason, but that's that's a pretty common thing too. So um, those lucky women will have about two normal weeks <laughs> per, eat per month and then the rest of the time they're feeling a bit bloated
0: and there i think it's helpful again to almost i know Lyle mcdonald has the idea of kind of an anchor week where it's like we're comparing weight at this point this month versus this point last month versus because again if you're constantly like if you're all someone who does like let's say you experience some bloating during ovulation as well and you're constantly riding that roller coaster of like the scale is up and it's down and it's up and it's down again. I like almost comparing like where you're at at this point in the previous month versus to where you're at now may be helpful mm-hmm. because again, if we're looking at like even week three versus week four, if you're just looking at it in that small of a scale. It can just look like, hey, I've regressed, I've gained weight, right? When if we look at the bigger picture over the course of a month, that's not necessarily the case. Um, anything else to add there? No. Okay. Cool. Next up. Um, We have three years training, female surplus or still recomposition, a good way to go. So from my perspective, it is going to depend on what your training has looked like and what your nutrition has looked like. So a lot of clients will start with us that have been training for at least three years who are still capable of achieving some body recomposition. So if you have been training in a manner that's less than ideal for hypertrophy so for example a lot of clients start coaching with us like hey i've been working out for 3 years but maybe you've been doing like f445 or even crossfit is a pretty common one where and i know we talked about crossfit a couple of weeks ago with understanding that too and we're talking about like adding muscle tissue specifically here let's say and that's like the number one goal we're talking about in this scenario um understanding that for hypertrophy for muscle growth we need to be able to take whatever target tissue you were training within a few reps shy of failure. Um, And that's going to be that all important time under significant tension that's going to send a signal to your body that, hey, we need to grow this tissue in order to be able to better adapt or recover from and adapt to the stress in the future, right? So within that, A lot of times, like we can have trained for the last couple of years very consistently, or have done something like CrossFit, where rather than the rate limiter being our proximity to failure, rather, or again, like the same thing applies with like Orange Theory, rather than the thing that causes us to stop our sets being like, hey, we're so close to failure that I could only do like one to two more reps with good form max, rather it is like, hey, maybe we're just doing like we're stopping when time on the clock expires, or maybe we're just stopping at a specific rep count, or maybe we're stopping because our cardiovascular system is super fatigued rather than there's a ton of tension in this one specific tissue, right? So if you've been training like that, we've been providing a much less than ideal stimulus. So despite the fact that you've been training consistently for three years, you're probably still capable of some recomposition if both your training and your nutrition going forward are much more dialed in. And that's a, that's the situation that we have a lot of clients, like a lot of new clients are coming from. So it's not uncommon to see recomposition there. But what I'll say is if you have been training in a manner that's effective for hypertrophy for a considerable period of time, you're three years in, um, your nutrition has been relatively dialed in. So let's say again, like you're eating adequate protein, you're pretty good with making sure we're getting a decent amount of protein and some carbohydrates pre-training and similarly post-training, recomposition probably isn't the way to go. I think on the flip side, like a lot of people so again i would say like if we see two most common obstacles with new clients who are wanting to build more muscle it's either one what i just previously discussed where hey it's kind of a combination of your nutrition just a very dialed in and the stimulus that we're using from training isn't um what we need to actually grow new tissues effectively as possible that's probably the most common scenario second most common scenario or one of the most, second most common scenarios is going to be uh, we could have, probably have like an abc but within that is going to be just hey you've been trying to lose body fat and build muscle for way too long and we've kind of already taken advantage of those newbie games you've already been training in a matter that's conducive to hypertrophy for a long period of time and there's only a certain window for free comp that we can see even like in those clients i described before there's maybe like a three to six month window where we can see a great body recomposition transition, But after that, we get to the point where, Hey, we're just making such slow progress because the thing to understand is, especially if we're also losing fat and again, a body recomposition, losing fat, building muscle at the same time, if we're losing fat, where we have to be in a calorie deficit within that, um, we know that when we're in a calorie deficit the rate of muscle protein synthesis is suppressed the rate of muscle protein breakdown is increased so it's going to be a little bit harder for us to build muscle tissue whereas when we're in a slight surplus the opposite happens right um we our rate of muscle protein synthesis is going to be increased we're going to be able to train harder we're going to be able to recover better we're going to be in a more anabolic state as a whole consistently throughout the day so within that like i think that if you've been training if you've been doing things well from a nutrition perspective um you've been following a smart hyper-focus training program, you've been trained close to failure. You've been very consistent. Um, you practice good technique. I would not try to recomp after probably like six to eight months of doing so, eight months being the tops, but definitely after three years of doing so, I think that's a good recipe to spin your wheels. And that's often where it is like, hey, we just need to enter a building phase. We need to spend a good six to eight months focusing on feeding you consistently in a slight surplus. We don't have to gain a ton of body fat by any means, but we do need to slowly see the scale weight increasing and we need to make sure we're feeding you more food than you're burning. And again, that's gonna be a much more optimal position to build muscle. Um, Anything to add to that?
1: Um, I I think that you pretty much covered it. I think it's, it's a situation where a lot of people think that they want to recomp because it sounds great. Like you get the best of both worlds, but you have to have everything very dialed in like smaller details that um, normally aren't quite as important. You really have to have dialed in, um, as well as having your training and nutrition really on point. And it's also going to take a lot longer. So it takes a ton of patience. So if you're someone that is fairly close to your goal, uh, like as far as like the muscularity that you want to be at long-term, it's maybe a little bit, um, more feasible of a, of a thing to just stay at maintenance and try and recomp and, and stay a little bit on the leaner side. But if you are um, not like within close reach of that, it's just not a, um, it's not an efficient way to go. It's just going to take a very, very long time. And most people don't have the patience to, to stay in a place where they look in the mirror month after month, pretty similar to where they did before. So I think that for like you said, um, most people, it's just going to be like after six to eight months, it's going to be a better way to go just to get, get into a building phase, um, get a lot of work done and then be, you know, back into a deficit to uncover it.
0: Absolutely. It's a little more efficient route. Okay, cool. Um, next up a friend told me they're starting a carnivore diet to lose fat faster within weeks. Andrea, is it valid?
1: Is it valid? Um, So a carnivore diet, for anybody that's not familiar, it's you're only eating meat. So no vegetables, no fruit. Um, And so for me, the biggest thing here is going to be adherence because I I think it's a very (laughs) few and far between people that can stick to an only meat diet. Um, and then within that, you're probably going to run across some nutrient deficiencies. Um, you know, if you're not including things like liver and other organs, you're most definitely going to have, um, nutrient deficiencies. So I I don't think that it's a smart way to go. Um, it may result in faster weight loss. And I say weight loss, not fat loss, because you're not going to be taking in any carbohydrates. Um, so Because of that, it's similar to a keto diet in that you lose a lot of body water really quickly. And so that gives you the illusion of quick progress. Um, As soon as you eat carbohydrates, you're going to rehydrate and you're going to store that muscle glycogen and liver glycogen again. And along with every gram of glycogen comes three grams of water. So you're going to hold that water weight right back on whenever you reintroduce carbohydrates. So... You, you will lose weight quickly because, you know, you can only eat so much meat probably in a day, um, unless you're eating the really fattier cuts of meat, which in that case, you're not gonna be creating as much of a calorie deficit anyway. Um, and and it's going to be mostly water weight. So, uh, I have a very strong opinion that, uh, you should probably just include some fruits and veggies in there along with it. You're going to cover your micronutrient bases. You're going to get more fiber. It's going to be a lot more filling and it's going to do wonders for your digestion. Cause I can't imagine what your digestion would be like on a carnivore diet.
0: Yeah. Um, I would agree. Like, to lose they're starting a carnivore diet to lose fat faster within weeks there's not going to be anything magical about a carnivore diet well we do know like different diets can better support our health different diets can better like be more or less sustainable depending on the individual at the end of the day when it comes to losing fat it is those does the diet have you eating fewer calories and you're burning right and of course there's endless layers of complexity we eat can add on top of that and we need to look so much deeper than just calories right as you said like we need to look at your micronutrients are you getting enough protein and carbohydrates or hard training and recovery and things of that nature but i mean at the end of the day like there's not going to be anything magical about carnivore versus anything else it's probably going to be though like it's very similar to keto where like keto in the short term works very well for a lot of people because it's we're cutting out a lot of things, right? And I'm not sure like how strictly you're following the carnivore diet, but if you're following the carnivore diet, let's say like normally you go out, let's say you go out three to four times a week. Um, and let's say normally when you go out, it's like, okay, I'm gonna smash on some pizza and I'm going to have, I don't know if beer's like carnivore or not, I'm gonna have like six beers, whatever it may be. And now it's like, okay, well, because I'm carnivore, I have to rock with like chicken breast or maybe I am even going with a battery cut of steak But I can't like have the size that I would normally have, right? So it's just a chunk of steak. Even within that, like we're drastically reducing calories, right? So it's very similar to keto in that regard. But I would say for most people, well, I think there is some confusion here when we're talking about like what's sustainable. Like there will, like what I'm doing with my diet right now isn't sustainable. I don't want to push this hard. I definitely don't want to continue to diet like this for the rest of my life, the deficit isn't like the, the amount of calories we're eating doesn't have to be sustainable because we do, we should, and do eat a lot more maintenance when our goals is just maintained maintain versus when our goal is losing. But to a large extent, like the diet, and even like, even here, we could argue this back and forth, but like, we need to so, I mean, like even with clients, sometimes there will be periods where like we're pushing hard. Maybe we're not going out to eat very frequently. We're really focusing on your cooking, most of your foods. And again, when we transition to maintenance, like we are focusing on making sure you understand when we're going out to eat and things of that nature, like how to make that sustainable. But there needs to be like some aspect of that as well. And I think it's okay if it's not like in the fat loss, if you're, are, you are just really buckling down and pushing hard in the fat loss phase. But it's important that again, like if it is like, I am taking on a carnivore diet, which I don't think either of us would recommend. But if you do go that route, to maintain that, there needs to be an exit strategy, right? There needs to be like, am I controlling my calories? Or Am I tracking my macros? Like, the we'll transition to like, okay, what do I need my what my lifestyle will look like after this? What does it need to look like for this to be sustainable long term? Because otherwise, that's how so many people get them in the situation, get themselves in the situation where it's like, hey, I did lose a lot of body fat because I followed keto or whatever it was, but I, can't. Um, do you have anything else to add there? No. Cool. How much time do you have today?
1: I'm good. I don't have it.
0: Cool. Um, let's go ahead and once again, turn this into a two-part episode as we are already about 30 minutes deep. So, um, on that note, we appreciate y'all listening and we will catch you guys next time.